You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk. Welcome. Welcome to After the Show. Welcome. What is After the Show again? It's a uh, show. <laughs> um, it's on the radio. The internet radio. Is it? Yeah. Fake it's on Sirius XM? No, that's the satellite radio. It's on the uh, internet radio. Were we having any before the after the show discussion? Pretty much not. Talking about The Sims. You were playing The Sims. I am. And, uh... Who's that on the screen, do you see? Looking through that, that telescope. A Sim. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> Ponytail, tracksuit bottoms, etc., etc. Big muscles, tattoos. <laughs> that's exactly me. Yeah, there was no before the after the show discussion, because we just sort of got down to business. Business. Business? Alright, so this is After the Show. It's a, it's a movie review podcast, not internet radio. And we review a movie every week, and uh, usually a Blu-ray release. The Blu-ray release we're reviewing this week, on Saturday, April the 5th, after the show number 320, is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Smog? Smog. Smog, he said. And uh, this is a 2013 movie. It's going to be released on Blu-ray this Tuesday coming up on the 8th of April, so you can pick it up then. It's a PG-13 from our friends at Warner Brothers, and Sid Talk's going to give you the synopsis of The Desolation of Smog. Hmm. I don't think there's a synopsis to me, but The Hobbit and his friends... I've got a synopsis. Are you ready? It's your turn then. You do it. It's the continuation (laughs) of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Which sucks, because no movie should be dependent on another. So I don't like these kind of synopsises. I was... Uh, let's get on to the movie. I was thinking that. Could you watch this without watching that first one, and this one make any sense to you? I think you could. I don't think you need to see they that They give first. you that brief little thing in the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's just enough, really. I, and I'm not taking anything away from that first Hobbit movie. But what one thing I thought when I was watching this movie was, wow, that first Hobbit movie was about three hours long. But there wasn't really much to it, like because they when they recapped quickly, mm-hmm. I was like, "That's all you need to know, really." So that was a like they were, and this is my problem. Not saying I didn't enjoy this movie, but my problem with the Hobbit, and I said it when we reviewed the whole the story Hobbit. of the Hobbit or the Hobbit the movie, the first one, just the whole of this. Okay, is it's a very short children's book written by Tolkien, aimed at children. It's it's. A lot less grisly as, uh, than Lord of the Rings and stuff. And really, not much to the story. It's pretty... It's, uh, you know, the story is that. It's There's some dwarves who have had their, ta- their world taken away. You know, the town, mm-hmm. city taken away from them. And they have to go and get it back. That's pretty much Bad it. dragon from a dragon. That's dragon. pretty much it. That's pretty much The Hobbit. And, you know... As is uh, normal now with movies, we have to have three of them. No, we don't have to, but some do. For some financial reason, they make three of them because it makes more money. and So they made three of them, and they've drawn out this very, like, sketchy, small, tiny little story into this long thing. And Peter Jackson's obviously added a load of stuff to because it's impossible to draw that out that long. And that's my only problem I have. It's, um, I think it would have worked as one movie. I don't know what your problem is with it. But it doesn't need to be. But say you didn't read the book, then it wouldn't matter. 
No, I never but read the I think book. people read the book who watched that. Right, but I... Not me. Right, you, no. I'm the only one, then. No, I'm sure there are... I, so about, when I watch the movie, The Hobbit, the book, means nothing to me. Like, nothing. And I'm sure there are tons of people who watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy and then went and read The Hobbit because they were... Like, even if they didn't see... They'd never read any of it. They watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy and they went, What? There's more of this? Like, and went and read The Hobbit. I'm sure there are a lot of people who did that. And now when they watch The Hobbit, this... It's not really The Hobbit. It's like this Peter Jackson version of The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And... But you should, that's just too bad. You shouldn't read the book and expect anything from a movie. I've said it a million times. The book is the book and the movie is the movie. So for me, I've not read any of the books. I barely read any books. Probably obvious. Um, so the movies need to just be what they are. And My point I, is, I, I'm, this, I don't want to be negative about this, <laughs> but my not. point is, this is getting, these are three hour movies. It's a, it's a nine hour movie of a book. Right, but... With a very tiny little story. We're still saying, you read the book and you're comparing. I haven't read the book, so the nine hours doesn't compare to anything for me. It just is what it is. So, I'm not saying I love the story. I'm saying that that book should mean nothing to anyone. When you go to watch this movie, it should be that. So let me get all my problems out of the way first, <laughs> before we go on to the positive parts. My other problem is... Um, and actually, it made it more obvious... That first movie, I didn't enjoy it that much, The Hobbit. I just didn't. I'd, I feel like the story of The Hobbit is not quite as grandiose as the Lord of the Rings uh, tale. It's It feels like um, like a, a very small side note to something huge. like. And it's just this one little story, and it's a similar type of story. It's very similar. You know, it's getting from a place to another, and it's vanquishing evil. It's a very similar tale. Um, and I didn't really enjoy that first movie a lot. I enjoyed it better the second time I saw it. But the first time when we saw it in the theatre, I was kind of a bit, oh, okay. Um, but it makes it really obvious to me now, even if you've not read the books, that it it's very paper thin, the story. It's very long, but then it there's not a lot going on. It's action sequence, action sequence, action sequence to make a big long thing. And I disagree completely, because to me, it's loads of stuff going on that I don't fully understand. Lots of things crisscrossing over the top of it, the orcs looking for somebody, and then something else, and the master guy, and then the guy in the woods, and the big but guy. But if you think about it, it's not... That's what I mean, that's when I think about it, there's a lot of things going on that I don't keep track of that well during the movie. And Peter Jackson's added a lot of stuff to it just because, oh, you were probably a fan of my other movies, so I've got to, like, link back to those. And that being, like, a little bit of a spoiler, that Legolas turns up in this one and he doesn't turn up in The Hobbit at all. I mean, he's not part of The Hobbit, but now he is, like, something like that. No, he'll never be part of The Hobbit. That is separate. That is a book. This, he's a part of No, I mean movies. the story of The Hobbit, which what these movies well, are. Well, the story of The Hobbit in these movies, but not the story of The Hobbit as And that's written. my point. Like, Peter Jackson is mm, altering the book to fit the movie. Not altering the book, because the book will always stay the same. True. He's making movies. But what I'm talking about is The Lord of the Rings, he made three movies of them, and he's, he made the book into a movie. This time, he's making the book into a movie but then taking bits of his other movies to appease, you know, hey, audience, you love this guy, so here he is. Like, it's that to me. Like, 
Ta-da! Here's Legolas. Is that what it's for? I feel like it's more... Peter Jackson's very self-indulgent. No, I think it's because people will love that. They're going to love the fact that Legolas turns up. So he just does it even though he wouldn't like... He wouldn't want to do that. I think he loves these characters and everything so much. That's why he does it. Yeah, and that my other um, my other problem was there's a love triangle in this movie which felt like it was the most... I don't like it. Okay. Did you love it? Uh, is that, are those my it only did... two choices? <laughs> I mean, to me, it was totally forced and... Uh, it's a bit pressed. I mean, when you have almost three hours, when you have two hours and some to tell a story, then you don't need to force it quickly. She sees and talks to the dwarf for what to us appears to be like 30 seconds, but I think she might have talked to him for hours and yeah, hours. It's a- so then you have to fill that in with your mind and not just go, oh, she just met him and now she's in love with him. I think she grew to love him. You know, just that they've connected or whatever. And... That Legolas might like her more than she likes him. And we get that pretty quickly. And the father doesn't approve. So, I mean, it to me, it's not paper... Th- it's not. It's just that, that little section of them getting to know each other, her and the dwarf, was so short. It's barely anything. It would have been... But then you have to just listen to the you context. You shouldn't have to, though, should you? No, I mean, you take the context. We see her talking, and then the camera moves, and the voices fade away. As if we're leaving them to have a really long conversation. So we kind of but that, that. But that being said on this movie, all that negative stuff out of the way, that being said... That wasn't much negative, I must give you... Well, credit. it was from me. I wasn't really gushing with those points. Like, oh, I don't like the love story. I think it's a paper-thin thing stretched out, and I think... Um, That's not bad. Uh, but that being said, I really enjoyed this one way more than the first one, and I knew I would because I know the story of The Hobbit, and I know that... There's a lot of introduction there. That, you know, that first one was criticised for having like a really long intro sequence where they introduce you to the dwarves for 30 minutes. And I think it failed because they introduce you to the dwarf for 30 minutes and you still don't know what the dwarves are or who anybody is. And it's just like this big mishmash of small Correct. dudes. And I think it's still a bit of a mishmash of small dudes still in this movie. I don't think there's still character development on them. At as all. much as I wanted them to. Only the love triangle guy. Yeah, only the love triangle guy. And um, basically, I don't know all the dwarves. And all I know now from after watching this one is the one with the grey hair is that guy. You know, it's it's very... You see some of them more than you do others. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who you kind of go, oh yeah, I get that guy now. I know who he is. But you don't know anything about him. No. You just know, oh wait, he has a lot of screen time. So he's probably important. But I think this is better in general. Um, I think the CG was better. I think the actual dragon, Smaug, I think was fantastic the way that was done. It was was just... um, He was on the screen a lot. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like, like the trailer, what we saw, where it showed you... Bilbo, and then it kind of showed you it drift past him. I was expecting we were going to see a very brief glimpse of it, but there's like whole sequences and it talks, and mm-hmm. I thought it was really amazing special effects that part. Um, and the special effects were better in general. There's still a lot of ragdolling stuff. Yeah. And Legolas just has to surf on everything. I know, right? it's weird. Yeah, like it's like, oh, there's somebody to stand on, and he's going to stand on it. Um, I 
But the, I thought the sequence where they go down the river in the barrels. That was my least favourite. It was so exciting. It, you know what it reminded me of? I got really bored. And I loved it. It was like, um, <laughs> you know the ending to The Lone Ranger where I said I really love that train sequence. And I thought it was kind of blah. It reminded me of that. I mean, like, there were parts of it that were good, but it was I like, thought it was really exciting, but... It went on and on and on. Yeah, which I liked. and Because I'd never <laughs> seen... And it looked really... It was perfect daylight. Everything looked really good. But then there was always with Peter Jackson things it all looks fantastic and then occasionally you just see something shitty like all of a sudden it's like the barrels didn't get yeah. tagged to the physics of the real world for a, like a but I mean on shot. another shot you're like wow this is the best CGI I've ever seen and then the next one it's like oh wow look at those dudes running they look rubbish like yep. it, so it's very hodgepodgey is CG and I don't know why. And the shapeshifter guy changing from the bear to the man looked pretty shitty. I was like, oh, no, no, that was going to be an awesome thing. And they just did it in silhouette. And it looked really ropey. Like, uh-uh. like stop motion animation sometimes. A little bit. Like, actually looks like but the frame rate the process that they go through. There's Peter Jackson with a billion people tugging at him all day. Maybe not a billion. A couple hundred. And so many things happening. So they go back to the editing bay. They go back to the FX, special effects bay. And they're on their laptops doing it on these computers while he's filming 20 feet away, then they bring a laptop over to him and say, here it is, and he looks at it. And imagine what's going through his mind constantly. He's directing another scene, but they're waiting for the lighting. He looks at it. He watches the barrel scene. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's it. Like, that's where I think a lot of... Because he does... I don't think his standard is very high. I, I mean, really don't. It's, no, it's really weird, though, because his standard is really good. Like, the smog scenes... They are amazing. Right, but I don't looking. give that. I don't. I don't give that to Peter Jackson though. I give no, that but to what the I mean is, he, what I mean is, like he, he he's capable. His people are capable. Yeah, of his doing people are. What per- I'm saying is, when they show him a scene that doesn't look great, he doesn't have the standard to say that doesn't look great. He thinks everything looks great. So if you bring him the dragon and he looks fantastic, of course he's impressed. If you bring him the barrels and they look a little shitty. He's impressed. I'm not saying it looks bad either. No, it, no. Because it looks better than, like, anything... I mean, it's it's high-budget stuff. You can tell. It doesn't look better than anything. What no, I mean, I mean, it's high. it looks better than, like, your, you know, your cheapy kind of... Like, where, where you expect the CG to be kind of poor in the cheapy movie. It don't look like that. It looks, like, good. Give me an example of a bad one. Like, um, Sharknado. I haven't seen that one. i only seen the trailer to it, but it looks terrible. But it was supposed to look terrible. And it's supposed to, so you... Okay. So you go, like, okay, that's really bad CG. That's the idea of that. Now, this doesn't look anything like that. It doesn't look like, oh, we just didn't give a shit. It looks fine, but then it it's just so inconsistent. Like, that's what I'm saying. There are times when his standard is low. So they oh, show they just him don't that. have the time or something. I disagree. I think he's impressed with things so I much. Because I think that sequence of barrels going down the... The, them going down about is an amazing sequence and the, the camera work on it is incredible it reminded me of the Lone Ranger the camera goes everywhere it goes up it goes upside down it goes in the water it, it, I, I don't even know how it was achieved I was watching it going this is boggled it's amazing that you're so impressed and I was like oh okay this is going on a little well bit I was thinking long. it was mind boggling how the camera can be f- in the barrel looking down the river and then in a in a one move not a cut a move it goes up in the air, it goes down, and there's some um, arcs running, and getting, and then there's Legolas jumping, and the camera's just following the entire thing, like a CG camera, I guess. I, I yeah, don't even know. part of some, maybe, I don't know. But it, but it never, it didn't cut, it just kind of jumped, and then rode over them, and then came back down to the barrels, and it, and it was a long sequence, and the camera was, like, up in the air, down in the water, 
never a cut. And I really, I was watching it going, wow, this is, this is like some... I think there were cuts, but your mind fills it all in. There's there were some cuts, cuts, but there were, there were actual times where it didn't cut. The camera just, you Moved rode around. with the camera. Like, you're on a roller coaster ride. I think that was the intention of the whole thing. Like, it was like a flowing, forgive the pun, water thing. Um, what, what, what was the other big CG scene that was amazing in that movie? I mean, there's a the lot. The dragon, to me. The dragon, that, and there was the some... The gold? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it was just gold. Yeah, you mean the gold gold, yeah. Yeah, really good. Um, so, yeah, in, in general, for me, what I'm really looking forward to is the next one to come out and then going back and seeing all three of them in a go, in one big go, like we did with Lord of the Rings. I agree. Because I think this even works better as... I think it should just be one story. Like it, it, it feel. I don't like it being broken up. I want to just sit and watch it. You know, right? Nine hours. It was a long time. Well, it's not nine hours. It's only two hours and what forty minutes? Two hours and twenty minutes. The other one was just under three, and then and there it's are extended. Under. There are ex, uh, two hours and two hours and fifty-seven minutes or something. <laughs> right. But there are. Um, extended cuts also there's the extended cut of the first one that came out that's nearly four hours and there's going to be a nearly four hour I don't particularly like the extended cuts of these movies oh no the Lord of the Rings added a lot one of them did but the other two just had loads of battle sequences that were unnecessary just like oh is is some more of that Um, and I think they're good enough as the I like the theatrical cuts somewhat but I really want to see this as one big movie just sit and watch it one day when because Obviously, so that's a day when we wake up, we grab a cup of tea, and we go watch the movie. And obviously, obviously, <laughs> there's like, no like um, hanging around. Like the first Hobbit, the unexpected journey, it ends, and you're like, "Oh, I really want to see what's next, don't you?" I mean, you you actually, I can remember sitting in the theater when those eagles took them up, and yeah, dr- and then it, then it went to black, and I was like, "Oh, this is where it's going. This feels like to me where the adventure's starting." And then this one starts exactly where that one left off. And then at the end, I don't want to give anything away, but I felt, oh, really? This is is, is where the adventure's starting. It's like like you're watching a TV show and you have to wait till next week, but you have to actually wait. So I think he sees it all as one big giant movie, and then when it all gets comes to it, sees it as a no. He sees it all one movie. So when he's making it, it's all one movie. And then at some point, he well, he probably originally just he knows exactly where he wants to stop. There's like the journey right. to get to the mountain. Because there's, there's the obvious... journey to wake up the dragon and then have the dragon then go on about his business, and then that starts the end. So in his mind, he knew exactly where to chop him off. To us, it's just... and it's a good place to chop it off because it is literally like a like a crease and like a you know fold over the chapter in the book and wait, the next chapter's coming up. So, you know, a three act thing. I get that, but books only have three chapters. No, but movies <laughs> movies seem to these days. I don't read books. I don't know what you're talking about. But um, it feels like beginning, middle, and end. You know, like Star Wars sure. or whatever. Um, so it was it was a fine place to chop it off. But I do feel like I sit there going, oh, really? Like, so you would rather it be a three or four hour movie all in one? Yeah. Not a nine hour? Not, no, not particularly nine hour. I don't the need thing it is, to though, be nine hour. From their point of view... It's almost like he wants to make it because it's a year-long process for them to make these movies. Oh, because they made it all in one time. It's almost like his mind is, okay, everybody, we're going to spend a year of our life. So we're making, I mean, thousands of prosthetics and thousands of things in the sets and hundreds of sets and 
thousands of costumes and we're just we're doing this like and the money is over here that the people have invested and on the other end is going to have to be lots and lots of people coming to see it and buying the deep blu-ray so while we're making this we're gonna you know make it as because in the first one you think about it meeting the dudes in the beginning in my mind when i think about it it's mostly looking at their clothes and their hair and the table full of food and the set and getting back into the whole hobbit world that they want he wants you to do that he wants you to get lost in it and if you just do it like boom 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 and tell the whole story in two and a half hours you don't need all that detail you don't need all of that love and care that he seems to be like this is us this is what a this is what we do and in his mind when he read the hobbit this might be what he saw you know what i mean because he's that kind of mind isn't he mm. see i don't having read the hobbit i yeah, maybe he did see... I'm not being funny, but you don't have that kind of imagination. No, I have the imagination for what The Hobbit is. Right, you read it and you, you take in what it says to you. When he sits down to... Whoever sits down, him and somebody else, sits down to make the screenplay of a thing is totally different than just reading a book. and You know, because you have to go, okay, we already have a pre-existing thing. We need to tie it to that somehow because we're going to have to, you know, Gandalf's here and, you know... Um, is Gandalf not in The Hobbit? No, he's in it. But what I mean is, you, the way the movie works, you know, we're going to have returning actors and it's going to all fit together at the end. You could sit and watch it all in a row. Because the one line that Bilbo Baggins says in The Lord of the Rings that tells me that this needs to be a humongous adventure is that he had great adventures. Yep. And so we have to And this is a good adventure. And all the things along the way have to be massive and really, to me, to fill in why he is has coveted this ring for so long by the time we get to Lord of the Rings and why he's sort of tired and how he's lived a long time and all, you know. So to me, going back, we're going back into his life and it has to be pretty amazing. I feel like he could, if when the third film does come out, that he could do a really good job of tying the movies together so if you do sit and watch them all as a big thing it is he going to turn into that guy who's Bilbo Baggins you know it it kind of does it does make you sit there watching the first um, Lord of the Rings going oh yeah Gandalf's really you know like all this Gandalf looks a lot older a long time ago and so does Legolas yeah (laughs) he's aged about 10 years yeah so yeah I really liked it as a middle portion of a thing Um, I think it's so it's so inconsistent, but that's Peter Jackson. Everything he does is like that. You know, he did start off doing low budget horror films, even something as grandiose as King Kong that he made. It's really awesome, and then it's like really janky. It, it, everything he does is is that like, and I I don't most people don't see it because I read reviews of movies and nobody says anything. They just you know say, why? It's like the Penn and Teller trick. It's the magic trick. I'm having you look over here. Well, this shitty kind of thing is over here. And your mind, even though it's right in front of you, and something kind of janky or something kind of weak in the story, but people can fill in. Like me, filling in the love story with understanding that we're, that one little tiny conversation is the thing that you and I had that initial conversation. It was online, but it was the initial little da 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 Ah, I like this person. And then you connected. You can't explain it. So in this, that's how they did it. So I can fill all that in. It may not be right in front of your face. But other people will fill in, like, 
all the other stuff that we're picking apart and they just sort of you blind it out don't you like uh and a lot of people will say what are you talking about bad special effects yeah i know that's what i'm saying people <laughs> say know? and i'm saying you know it's it's not bad no it's 80 percent good it's just that when you're watching it is... and it's perfect and then yeah. one little thing goes wrong i mean the dragon to me never had a falter like no not it didn't at it was all. really good but i think that is because it's a something that's not real like it like it's not a person running True. about shooting people it's a thing and it was in the dark most of the time so you didn't have to rely on it's when you see legolas for instance a guy who you've seen move around as a normal you know orlando bloom walk around yeah you know his body and then, then his cg guy and he's <laughs> it looks weird yeah it just kind of weird wobbly you know but that's not just this movie i mean spider-man's um spider-man's the best example there's lots of yeah. lots of movies where the, you go oh look at that thing that's but weird. other people would look straight at it and be like, what are you talking about? It just, like, jolts me a little <laughs> bit. Does you know what? Because I play a lot of video games. I I go to video game immediately. I'm like, oh, that True. video game. Like CGI person. Yeah, like, oh, look, that's a video game. <laughs> like, that's an awesome looking video game. But you game. totally forgive the beginning of Tron, which is fucked up. No, I don't. It's think, horrible. I, I told you. It was yeah, but you always just gloss over it. Like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to listen. It's horrible. No, I know it's horrible, but... Like, absolutely unforgivable. I was already out of the whole story by the time he's... I'm like, doesn't is no one in this house and his parents and his son are like, he's perfectly normal, everyone. That's he's, what I'm saying. <laughs> right, so, but then the rest of Tron is amazing, right? The um, CG stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, flawless. But it's all stuff you don't... You know, it's not... I think it's when you involve humans in CG. That's... You shouldn't. Or animals to some degree. Just when you've created something that's supposed to be like a wolf, but it has that weird stretch Armstrong kind of thing where it looks like it's made of rubber and kind of wow. I think that's the problem that the orcs in this movie had. They look really good when yeah, you look yeah. at them close. They look really good. When they're just talking translucent and translucent skin and really they look good. really cool. But then when they move sometimes, it looks like Jason and the Argonauts. Like, like the distance. frame rate is weird. Like, it, like the. Like, like you can see the animation happening. It's not like a, a smooth bit. thing. Like, and I don't understand why that is because sometimes they only look like, like the distant ones when they're showing them like go walk and stuff. It seems like that, but they. But look you know, really Jason good. and Argonauts, the uh, mm-hmm. the the skeletons, the way they look, which was awesome for back in the day, like because nobody had ever done that, and they looked like they were alive. The skeletons. Sometimes I look at these things, like you say, in the distance, and go, "Wow, that nobody paid attention to that one <laughs> yeah. because maybe they think you're not looking at it." Maybe they think you're looking at the foreground instead. I think when they take it to Peter Jackson and he looks at it on a little laptop and he goes, oh, that's good, that's good. Then that's it. Nobody else ever, even the guy showing him is thinking, he's not going to like it. He's not going to like it. Oh, oh, he said it's okay. We're, we're done. You know, I just think that has to happen because with the way they referred to their schedule three different times in a very tight kind of a way. Like, she's making the prosthetic faces and he says we have, a, we have to have a 98% success rate or we fall behind. Now, 98% success rate means if you're making 500, 490 of them have to be exactly right. Or you have the guy telling you, we're behind, we're behind, we're behind, we're behind, we're, uh," you know. So I think that is also on their mind. If he looks at something and it's not 100% and he's like, that's good, that's good, then that's, I think a lot of things sneak through that way. But I don't know because I'm not there. So moving on to the cast, uh, you know, some old favorites return. Ian McKellen returns as Gandalf. He's... He's, you know, he's awesome as Gandalf. He's not in it a ton. This I don't one. think he's awesome as Gandalf. I think he is what he is. He's Did you know intense. it's like, this was weird for um, Ian McKellen as Gandalf. There were some points where, he, for, for no apparent reason, he became CG. 
Like, there was a bit where he stood up and he, he slammed his staff down into the floor. And instead of his staff just being 3D and Ian McKellen doing this with his staff, the whole of Gandalf became three became a, a CG model. I don't model. think I noticed that. that yeah, way. he was just all of a sudden he wasn't he was a CG dude, like you for know, like was, a split second. When he slammed his thing down, when the orcs were coming, and he did the spell thing, there was a period of time there where it wasn't Ian McKellen anymore. I don't know why, because he can slam a stick down. He's not. Yeah, but you can't. We don't know why they make those decisions. Um, so yeah, I like him as Gandalf. I think he's I think he's really good as it. He seems I, pretty grizzled way back then, more than he is when we meet him in Lord of the Rings. Grizzled as in, I don't yeah. know, he's just... Um, I, I think he puts in a really fine performance. Uh, Martin Freeman is Bilbo again. Um, I really like Martin Freeman. I actually like Martin Freeman as Bilbo way better than I do Frodo in the other mm-hmm. one. Uh, wait, uh, what, what's he called? Don't remember. Green Street Hooligans <laughs> as uh, Frodo. He's good in Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I, I like City. Martin Freeman. I think he really fits. I like, you know, because the character's kind of, like, is he's, this character who's kind of a coward and everything, but he's trying to find his bravery. I All that comes across to me from Well, Martin don't forget Freeman. the ring in his pocket. It's given him some yeah. weird special... But he comes across, like, because you can see it in him, like, hey, just, I don't really want to do this. What am I doing? Like, And then all, all of a sudden he gets this, you know, from mm. the ring. But don't use the ring too much. <laughs> We all we all know what. Can yeah, well, we know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he does really well. Uh, then I put down dwarfs. There are dwarfs in this. A lot of them. But they're not. They're they're Men. not. They're not medically dwarves in life. They are billed as dwarves in this movie because they're part of the dwarf race. But and still, in dwarves. this movie, I don't know. I don't understand why they didn't hire. There's lots of actors in the Hollywood that are dwarf. Actually, dwarves. You know what I mean? Why not? I would imagine that would be a point of contention with the little people of America. Because they wanted star name people. I don't know any of those people. Yeah, I do. A lot of British, famous British. Actors oh yeah, I don't know any of them. I don't think. When you, when they show them getting their makeup on, I'm like, oh, that's who that is. I don't know. Who yeah, that is. They're like, there are a lot of British actors. <laughs> I don't know. Them. And the guy we followed to the thing, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I put dwarfs. There's a lot of dwarfs. Obviously, like they, they're um. Still, in this movie, I don't really know one from another. I just know that there's a fat one, a grey-haired one. You know, it's kind of... The personalities don't come out. Not like the hobbits do in Lord of the Rings, obviously. Correct. Um, because there's less of them. Keep in mind, you've got Marion and whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, it's just a few. Sam and... <laughs> yeah. But, it, but still, you know them. You know them all, Pippin. You know, yeah, you Pippin. know them. In this one, I can't even tell you the names. Like, apart from Thorin... The leader of them. I can't tell you who any of the others are. And it, it was a problem in the first movie. It's a problem in this one for me. Because it's still, I was expecting we'd spend some time talking to them all. Because I'm not clear. Are those two Thorin's sons? Because he said that he's my kin. But then he called him his dad. But he's not the one. Yeah. And then Gimli's the dad that, is there. Gimli's another dad. Another tie to the other yeah. movies. Um, I don't pay attention very good. No. But, but, <laughs> but still. It's hard to... I was expecting in this movie at least some playful scenes of them all together talking to get to know them a little bit. But instead, they just did action scenes with and them. Nobody did anything special. There wasn't like the no, missions like guy it. or the muscle guy or the brave guy or this coward. Not that... I'm No, I'm, I'm throwing out there that there's no formulas. Stuff, yeah. But 
If you want me to get to know a character, all of us humans, we're not unique and we're not special. We all have characteristics that match up with another set of humans in the world. Therefore, when you give me an ensemble cast and you say, this is the 13 people that we're going to be introducing to you, and you want me to identify, not identify like, oh, I understand what it's like to be that person, but just be like, oh, he's the strong man, right? I get it. So that throughout the story, that can be challenged. There's that none of that, is there? Fail him. You know, you could give that to each one of them. Like, the really clever one could fail at some point, and the really dumb one could be the one to come up with the really brilliant idea. Anything to add a little bit of, like, personality. So I see them as one big thing. They're just, <laughs> it's the dwarfs. They're going to all help each other. And that's really awful. And Thorin. Who's their leader? That's all I see. Like, to see this one big mush of dudes <laughs> who fall on things, fall in things. They fall a lot. Yeah. Um, so there we've got uh, Orlando Bloom, who comes back as Legolas. You know, if you liked Legolas in Lord of the Rings, you'd probably like him here. Well, not necessarily, because this isn't the Legolas of Lord of the Rings. No, it's different. He's coming out of his, like a. His culture and society, which was a whole different vibe than we get from the elves in Lord of the Rings. So, a younger. he is different. Not just younger, but like, um, you know, you understand that he doesn't come from the land of wisdom and enlightenment and elven creatures are a wonderful, helpful thing. He comes from a place where elves are isolated and kind of dark and kind of, you know. Put me in mind of where the idea of the dark elf from... What's it called? We just watched it. The Dark Elves wanted the thing, the world to go dark again. Captain America or... Oh, uh, Thor. <laughs> Thor. <laughs> yeah, one of those. I really love that idea. So then I was like, oh, Dark Elves. They want. They only like the moonlight and the starlight, which is like, oh, that's the Dark Elf kind of idea. So I really like that. So now you have to remember, Legolas is actually... Because you don't know anything about... I don't know anything about him in Lord of the Rings, except... He's Mr. Wonderful, right? He argues with the dwarf and, and he kills everybody who yeah. needs to be killed. And in this one, you get a little more of like why he might have kind of found his zen in later years, you know? And Evangeline Lilly plays Toriel. Now she's like the female. I like her. Yeah, and I don't like her at all from Electric Playground. She's a Miss Joy Pad girl from Electric Playground and lost. Um, I never liked her before. <gasps> I really. didn't know that was her because yeah, I really like. I didn't like her in Lost, and now I, I did like her. She in was this. really good in this. Oh my god, it's a Jonah Hill moment all over yeah. again. I did not like her at all, did I? No. In Lost, I was always like, "Can't she die? Can yeah. she please die?" Kate. Not her, the Kate. person, but the actress I didn't really like. And now I was. I've totally never really impressed. thought. I've never really um, thought she was her. a great actress. Really, like she she was serviceable in Lost. I thought you know, she, <laughs> no, for, not for me. Like I mean, she you, yeah. You know, She's like the... The brooding, troubled. Yeah. And yeah. she was okay. But in but this one, she had... She in this, good. I bought her as that. Yeah, I thought she was really good. And the action sequences where she was really kicking ass. Mm-hmm. And firing arrows. and Yeah, she was really good. So nice. she was one of my favorite things of the movie. Me too. I like the king guy too. Who was he? I didn't write him down, but yeah. The king of the elves. Yeah. yeah he was Because really he's kind of... You know, he's like an isolationist. So he's not the... But it's interesting He's to not see Mr. Smith the leader. Or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> no, it's interesting to see the leader of, of uh, and the fact that he's not actually. The elves are not. We are locked down. Yeah. And you will stay within these borders. You only go out if you have to. And the world can go on. It's none of our business. We're fine. And so that's an interesting point of view to come from. Whereas the other elves seem like they are there to basically help protect the whole world. Right. So whatever happens between this part of the story and Lund... Hopefully they tell us that in the final 
chapter. Yeah, but I don't think by the this time is we that get to story. Lord of the Rings, they're talking about the agreement and the elves are whatever. Yeah. What? It might. I think Tolkien liked numbers because there's like seven, the seven kings and the nine this and the seven that. It's always seven and nine and thirteen. If you notice, there's the thirteen dwarves and the nine things escaped. It's probably, and the seven. A, probably a website dedicated to like breaking <laughs> all the numbers down. <laughs> Decode Lord of the yeah. Rings. Kate Blanchett, Blanchett returns literally for five ten, seconds. Ten seconds, yeah. Uh, and then I put down Benedict Cumberbatch, who's the uh, in this movie also as Small Smaug, and the Necromancer, like he plays the two. But um, he's really good as the uh, like. I said to you, who do you think's the voice of the dragon? And you said Patrick Stewart. Yeah, because I love Captain Picard. But once you know it's Benedict, you can hear those... Um... I still heard Patrick Stewart, which I thought was interesting. But they voice synthesized him. It's oh, totally. Like, uh, but also, he some of the inflictions of Benedict, yep. like some of the quirky little things he does, you can hear that coming out. But it's really awesome. Only once you know it's him. Only once you know it's him. <laughs> but the dragon is really one of the highlights of the movie. It's... Um, not just that it's voiced by him. It's just a really awesome CG dragon. It's just... It is. It made me want to write a story. It's not Rain of Fire. I want, no, but dragon. you know, I don't mind Rain of Fire. I know that a lot of people will scoff at that, but you know, that should be on my recommendation list. Um, it's not great or anything, but it put in my mind this creature that, in our culture, grid dragons are nothing, really. It's just Puff the Magic Dragon, and you know what I mean? Like, it's not a... It's not a thing, whereas in Asian culture, dragons are a bigger deal, kind of, about, and in this... How tra- about the Welsh? I don't know anything about the Welsh, so the, why would I know? The Welsh flag has a dragon. I know, but I don't know anything about that. So that's what I'm saying. Our culture, dragons aren't in our in our mythology or anything. So to me, to have a story where you take real-life dragons and not Reign of Fire, because it's kind of after the shit hits the fan, but where real dragons just... Happened well. I guess we're watching um, Godzilla. No, <laughs> your your show with the blondie, Queen of the Dragons. Oh uh, yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. But still, it's a fantasy world, and so it's not bringing similar the dragon. to uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, but in the real world, how would you apply that creature to? You know, I think that'd be interesting. Oh my god, I'm gonna have when I think of these things and I think I could write that story. I could write that story and I'm so fucking lazy and I start something, I make a bunch of notes, and then I just never do it. So you're gonna have to be the inspiration. So here's somebody who's made a bunch of notes in his time, the director <laughs> of this movie, Peter Jackson. You reckon? Yeah, and I like the fact that he does direct these movies and doesn't hand them off to somebody to do them. But he as does. we saw in the extras, Andy Serkis who's you know, been with him since the beginning of Lord of the Rings, um, is the second director in this movie. So there's a lot of stuff directed by him. Um, so he does hand it off. But he's not... He's not... Um, well, he hands off, I guess, what he sees as less important. I stuff. disagree with you completely. I don't think he sees it that way at all. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know. I was just, I was just he's not going to go, this scene is crap. I'm going to give it to Circus. No, I wouldn't say that bad. I would say he would probably get the pick of what he wants to direct, right? He's the director. So he would um, go, I am going to definitely direct the barrel sequence because I... I don't know about that. I think that a lot of it's logistics as well and timing and, well, we're going to be doing this scene over here and we have to have Peter here because we've got a billion other things he has to deal with. But across the city or... Our, Ten miles away, we're going to be doing this other one. Circus needs to go do that one. I think that could, it's got to be some sort of 
So Peter Jackson's uh, directed many movies in the over over the years. But I think definitely even circus part of the directing credit is important because that's huge to be directing whole action And he sequences. was uh, in the, right up there in the credits at the end. Yeah. I mean, he was straight after the directed by. It was exactly. second director. So um, Peter Jackson, we all know. He's done many movies over the years. Um, you know I, him? I'm really looking forward for Peter Jackson to get out of the Lord of the Rings and back to just some other projects. I'd like to see him do some other things before he stops doing stuff. What else does he do? Well, whatever he wants to do. Something else that's not Lord of the Rings. Because he's took up how much of his life? 15 years? Yeah. And, you know, he made other things before Lord of the Rings. He did The Frighteners. He did... We're talking uh, 25 years ago. Yeah, but I mean, he's he, Lord of the Rings has creatively took him up for a while. Like, like he, George Lucas. Yeah, Star Wars took him up too. Um, yeah, because George Lucas would probably have made lots of other different types of movies, wouldn't he? But he was... I don't know about that. I think he probably would. I think it's a safe zone, isn't it? Once you've locked into something. Yeah, it's obviously a money spinner, the Lord of the Rings, isn't it? He can, you know, he probably doesn't need any money now, though. Peter True. Jackson. So, but I'd like to see him do some smaller movies, What you know, different things, like, um, and obviously he has done, and he's good at them. Heavenly Creatures is one How about of them. a comedy? Peter Jackson comedy. I know Frighteners has its own level of, I never, don't think I've ever watched it fully. Frighteners is okay. I um, went in with really high hopes because I was a big Peter Jackson fan. Still am, like, but I was a big fan of his horror stuff. And then The Frighteners, you know, came out and it, I was like, oh my God, a, a horror film with Peter Jackson? And that's not actually really what it is. Mm-mm. It's more of a... Um, Funny, like a cutesy almost. Ghostbusters type yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, so it's not really... I was expecting Dead Alive and it was more Ghostbusters. Yeah, but you don't want Dead Alive again. Not the same, but I mean, that kind of grisly kind of comic thing but it wasn't that but um so extras on this blu-ray there is a whole separate disc full of extras um and it's pretty good too we watched it um it's like on the set with peter jackson and it's in two parts and uh what did you think oh it was like the ones where you're actually seeing the gaffers and the dollies and the caterers and everybody it's and that, everything because i felt like everybody even though it's always the same on every movie you still get to see from, like, a person walking around and see, like, it truly is magic. The reason you love movies, the reason I love movies is it transports you, introduces you to people in places you never could imagine. You'll never be there. You'll never go there. You'll never be that person, right? So that's the end result. But it's a humongous creative process, and it's a logistical process, and it's a boring like mechanical, it's a big machine, and every little cog and every little switch has to be, you know, da 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 da, right in place. And you see everything from, like, imagine on a big set like that with twelve hundred people roaming around, and you don't have good food to feed everybody, or you don't have good toilets, or you don't have good trailers for them to go sit in. Now that sounds like, oh, movie stars don't get their mo- their food, but we're not talking about movie stars. We're talking about. People who have to carry the cameras and carry the lights and move the sets and trudge through the mud and, like, build everything. You have to think of... And I like seeing that whole thing. Because then, when you're watching the movie, I feel like you're... I don't pick it apart like a person... Imagine you're the dolly guy and you've been in Hollywood for 25 years doing that. You're the guy who moves the camera, moves the lighting, and all that stuff. And then you go to sit down to watch a movie. 
would you just constantly be like, oh, I would have put it in a different place, or oh, I would have done that better, or do you, can you get swept away, I wonder? But that's why I like to see it, because you get to see the, out the back door, you so know, the man like, behind the curtain. It's almost an hour, like, the two things stuck together, and it's, um, it's just really good. It's, it, you, what I liked about it was, um, you get the, I, I got the idea that Peter Jackson, while he's very busy man and everything, he's got time for having some fun and being with the normal people. Like just normal people. You know, the people who work for him. Like like dealing with anybody, talking to anybody, like I don't I didn't get the feeling like you couldn't speak to him. I disagree with that. I got right? the feeling I, I saw him on the set and he was having fun with everybody. Yeah, and... but I didn't get the feeling just anyone could walk up to him and say, Hey Peter, I have a question for you. I didn't think that at all. See, he's, I got absolutely He got the group of people around him who basically hand him the questions that need to be answered and there's probably another level of people. And I also got the impression from it that um that it is like a machine that mm-hmm. um I don't I you know, my impression was how does a movie even get made like this? And even after seeing this thing, it's like how does this even how does that movie, that three hour movie that looks good get there like to that point like from just this stuff and because it, it all looks everything looks podged together and you know podged together yeah like you'll see a set and then you'll see bits of it oh you mean in the still extras on, yeah. Like, and, yeah yeah you know in the movie it's per- perfectly fine what i'm saying is everything looks like it's just hanging on a thread like oh well, we've got to do this go do that oh we've got 12 hours to turn all this around it's amazing how it even all the schedules work out and everything happens but it seems to Whoever does logistics for that yeah. kind of stuff is... It's the... And I'm not saying this to be rude, but a lot of people think that. It's the non-creative people who do a lot of the logistical project management. Because they, they're they hard-lined, aren't they? We told you to have this bridge done by tomorrow. We don't care about what it takes. We don't care how wet the styrofoam is and how you didn't get the can of paint in time and how your guy's really tired because his wife just had a baby. We just want the bridge. Tomorrow, 7.30 a.m. I don't want an excuse. I want it done. I don't care what you have to do. I want it. Now, that's the person in charge. Like the whip, whip cracker, basically. Yeah. Whereas the creative person's over there like, holy shit, I've been carving this styrofoam for 46 hours and still not done. And and it was fun to see, like, the caterers working oh, here. Yeah. And, like, like, it really, and it shows you, like, them getting one of the actors up really early in the morning and taking him to the makeup chair. We've seen all that before. Yeah. But... It just uh, always fascinates me that somebody every day sits in a chair. It's a fine line, though, that they skirt. Because when an actor starts bitching about it, I'm like, shut up. Seriously? You're in, you're working... Like it's, like it's amazing what you yeah, do. Yeah, and you're going to complain about it? Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable and all that. However, um, and that's fine. You can, you're entitled to your feelings. But when it becomes almost like they act like it's a burden, like, oh, duh. You know, I just think, well, hold on. How many other people do you think would have Well, some killed? people actually say that in this extra, which was interesting. Guy, one guy actually says... Oh, the food guy. You yeah. said, yeah, I have to... Like, I can't really complain because there'd be thousands of people who'd want to be he in this position. Because he's sandwiches. Yeah. And he says it gets a little monotonous. But on one time I was on the set and then realized after... And I was tired and I'm watching... Peter, Andy Circus be Gollum. Right, with right 250 through. other people. And that's like, whoa. In your mind, you're like, oh my God, people. Because on a closed set, you have to, no one can move, no one can leave, you can't open the door, you're just stuck there. 
and you have to be super quiet. And this guy's just so hold, your mind, holding yeah. 300 sandwiches. <laughs> your mind is probably like, holy <laughs> shit, I got to go make the peanut butter thing. I got to do the buttering thing. And that vegan wants her fucking salad and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait, look what I'm doing. I'm standing behind Peter Jackson on the set of one of his movies. So I just think it's those extras. I wonder if the person who edits them ever catches... Is like, no, nah, we're not going to have people hear him say that. Because if you go, if like you go back guy. and watch the extras on the original Lord of the Rings trilogy and see how the extras were done there, and there are similar fly-on-the-wall type extras, and you watch that guy from Weta, who we always see every time, watch how he is in the Lord of the Rings movies, and then watch how f- much of a well-oiled machine it is now. Oh, yeah, totally. It's so much different. Back then it was like... Oh, we, he needs, like, a handle for a thing. And uh, here he's like, oh, this is my room. These are all my people. They're making things. Well, no, it's like, here's like, the person. Like, it's all being made. It's just like a... It, you know, they might be stressed, but here it comes. It's just like a conveyor belt. We've got this whole building full of stuff being Oh, I see. Made. I get the impression that it was really stressful. It looked nothing <laughs> like the stress that was involved in Lord of the Rings. Like, because they've done it for so long, they know what they need to do and what they have to do. It, like, he, he looked stressed to me. Because he had to oh, keep going up to... Oh, it's his personality. He had to keep going up to Peter and getting things signed. He almost looked like, please sign off on this, it's good. Look I told you, it. the director of our department, when I observe, because I'm like, not, I'm a cog in the machine, right? <laughs> and then there's like, the cogs above you and above you and above you and above you. And the director, obviously, is one of the top cogs, biggest cog. And I observe during the day. He's walking around or he just popped his head in to do something or he's walking through to the data center or something. And there's always, there's never a five minutes where he doesn't get to just think or have a conversation that somebody isn't texting him, calling him, sending him an email on his phone, coming straight up to him. And it's not, you know, and he answers every question and he looks you straight in the face and he'll either say, um... I will get back to you on that or email me that or whatever. But it's constant. And that's all I saw with the Weta guy. I think that he probably gets a constant. The guy over there making the swords is probably asking him, is this what he wants? Is this what we're supposed to do? Well, I don't know. I have to go ask Peter. Then he becomes the guy asking the bigger fish, Peter, uh, uh, you said you wanted, you know, so. I always remember the extras on the new Star Wars movies where there was the special effects guy. (laughs) And they're all in the room, and they've got all the models and the things. And they've worked really hard and on all these drawings. And then they go, like, George is coming today, and he either says this is good, or, or it's, and we've worked four, four months on this thing. And he'll just walk in and go, no, 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 yeah, I like that one, I like that one. And, in, like, and, one minute. And then you're like, wow, those things that took four months to create, you just said no. I stayed up it. all night, every night, for five <laughs> nights. It must be so, uh, like, you must just think, well, I thought that was and awesome. that's what I'm talking about. Then the non-creative person can stand back and be like, well, yeah, we just need one. Yeah. Get over it. You know, I'm not saying that. I don't know how creative Lucas really is, but... So in conclusion on this movie, I really liked it a lot better than The Hobbit. I just, I still see it as one big thing, but I... It took me there way more than The Hobbit yeah, I did. Just think I was really captivated by it. I think it's it. more, just a, the plot is more interesting at this point in this story. But you're saying there's no story. Hardly. Well, as far as it taking you from one action set piece to another... Which this really does. It's just it is a lot of action in this movie. Um, I don't think the co- it's a complicated plot. See, I disagree. All. I'm really confused about a lot of it because I'm, you have to keep in mind. I'm thinking constantly about the whole of this thing. 
Um, why are the elves and the dwarves not getting along? Why do the dwarves in these in the city on the river uh, lake not get along? When did the dragon come and destroy him? Right, if you the- think, yeah, but there isn't any of that written down. Like that's what I'm saying. They don't explain it, but it's there. But people just skip over it and just want the action. That's so why I, I feel like it's. A, it. That's why I feel it's like he could do less action and more. Yes, exposition. Um, yeah, more like th- this is why this is occurring. Even flashbacks. I'll take more flashbacks. If you want to flash me back a few more times to when the dragon was in full swing, and that's why everybody's shit scared of him, and why did this? Why did Stephen Fry guy get in charge of this town? And he's such yeah, a yeah, like that's what I'm Look. saying. There's an interesting character like that introduced in the middle of the movie, and it's you like, instantly know he's sleazy. Yeah, but that's all. Like it's paper thin. It's like. Uh, yeah, it's just why what, these people all it is is what you can see. There's no story. Yeah, and why are why are these people letting this happen? Yeah, none of it. That's what <laughs> I'm know? saying. That's why I feel this movie is like great a, a journey of action sequences. But then, if you want to, if you're a, a book reader type who's really interested in the backstory to things, you ain't going to find any of that. It's just not there. It's it's more we we're going to uh, fight with a dragon for twenty minutes. There's more of that than anything. Here's the sleazy guy in charge of this town, and all the townspeople are oppressed. And now let's and attack the town. Yeah, they're all starving. <laughs> We've got the one guy who, who champions them. They're all really depressed and sad, and it's really gross and filthy and disgusting. And even the I mean, they guy, set up, you understand the town of it, but they don't. There's no politicking or anything. It's just like here's the town, and guess what? And you realize he hates all the townspeople. Yeah, so that gives you a clue about why they get treated so bad. But I would like more. That's what I mean. That's how I feel this movie is. It's And even the first one, it's a lot of... Here's all the whiz-bang special effects, but the story is on the back burner. It's, it's less so. Which I... Like, when we watch Game of Thrones, which incidentally starts this weekend, that is just full of backstory. In fact, so much backstory, sometimes you're like, wow, I don't even... Can't keep track. There's so much of it. like it. Because the whole it, episode might be focused on you... Being told with no action at all, just politics, like behind the scenes. Um, This is not that. This is more like we want action sequences. Do you think that's because I think I've said this about Peter Jackson before? That it's all in his mind, and it's like you having read the Hunger Games, and then you see the movie, and the things that are missing, you fill in with your mind because it's in the book and it's in your brain, and you fill it in. This is the clock thing that spins around. You've got it in your mind already. Oh yeah, to me. You show it to me, and I need understand it better. I think Peter Jackson has it all in his mind. He does. So when he just spits out the bits and so pieces times, of it, and he's written it, right? Yeah. But he doesn't see it from the other point of view, maybe. Yeah, I think he's simplified it down to make a film version of it. But he also knows people are relatively simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he makes a lot of money off his But I, I actually think it's a... A really fun. This, it is fun. This, it's a if you want a journey like the other one is, it's like that. I think the orcs are really good, and I like that they seem really menacing. And the and dragon is all, one of the it's one awesome. of the best CG things I've seen. It's just really that sequence. No spoilers. Yes, that yeah, the gold. Yeah, <laughs> that's a spoiler. But um, that sequence is like I was like, wow, oh. that just looked like that. That's Peter Jackson doing his work properly there. That's that. You know, that looks like a million dollars on the screen, literally. So you're saying he needs to be the second unit director on all the action sequences and someone else needs to be the director of the storytelling. True. <laughs> we'll send him a note. So, um, 
yeah, I'd recommend it if you if you're already watched the Hobbit movies or you're already a, a Lord of the Rings fan. If you watched it and hated it, I wouldn't recommend it. If you're already a Lord of the Rings fan, I think you will like it. I think there's things for you to like. I think there's things for you to hate. I think if you're a fan of the book, go. I think it's a yeah. I don't think you're gonna like it all. But um, as far as a movie, a fun kind fun of action adventure. movie, really, uh, it is it does its job. So thanks, Warner Brothers. We also didn't mention that we watched it on our TV and not on the big screen that we had. Unfortunately. Because we had a little a little bit of rain for about three days in a row. What to down the carpet in our lovely home theater. So today the big fan is running and we've sucked it all up in the dehumidifier. So today we watched it. Now what what was your impression of that? We watched it on the big TV. I much prefer it on the home theater. I know you prefer it, but that's a given. But I mean... To me, it was fine. It was a little dark. I think our TV's kind of set to be dark. I think you do that and you don't realize it. To me, it's a little too dark. But then again, it's daytime. But on this projector, it's always just lit up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I no, I prefer, wait. I love I love the projector. It is the way to watch but, movies in your house. Definitely in a dark room with a projector and surround sound. That right, but we didn't. So on this one, was it satisfactory enough for you? Not really. Would you watch it again to go downstairs yeah, and just watch yes. it? Oh, the when nine, I watch all three. Yeah, the, the nine-hour day that yeah. we're going to spend one time. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, uh, and the extras are pretty good. So, thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, we got two new contests this week on AceGlee.com. You can go and win some stuff. Next week's uh, Blu-ray review will be... I'm not sure, actually. I wrote down one there, but I'm not actually sure which one it'll be. It'll possibly be Anchorman 2. Oh, my God. So, um, movie recommendations for this week. I am going based on Mr. Peter Jackson. Two of his early movies that I really love, actually. One of them is Dead Alive. Um, and I don't think it's actually called Dead Alive. No, it's called Dead Alive for Americans. It's called Brain Dead Correct. for British. If you're British or Australian. Or New Zealand, it's Brain Dead. But I think there was already a, a movie called Brain Dead in America, so they called it Dead Alive. Mm. Uh, it's an awesome horror movie. Awesome. I That's really think it's one of my favourite... <laughs> comedy horror movies it's like the evil dead in yep. a way it's um ridiculous or the evil dead 2 it's like a slapsticky gore fest like it's and it's really fun and a bit crazy buckets of fake blood yeah and uh the best scene with somebody killing people with a hover lawnmower <laughs> ever in any movie in mine and my are... second one oh, is oh god i really didn't get your second one <laughs> my second one is heavenly creatures which is Peter Jackson's one of his serious movies that he did, and it's based on a true story. Um, you have to see it, and it's it was actually the first movie that Kate Winslet started. The very first one, introducing Kate Winslet, it said at the beginning. So uh, yeah, that's Heavenly Creatures. About not a lot of people saw that movie, but uh, you can get it now on Blu-ray. So that's my recommendations. Mine are because I'm thinking of the journey kind of a thing, or like a epic kind of. Epic to some sort of magical or bigger thing, and one of them will be very clear, but The Princess Bride, because it is a journey, you know, and everyone's a little, it's a little bit, it's also a little bit slapsticky, but it's also got the magic kind of to it, and... Time Bandits. I also love, that, that's it? true, Time Bandits. And my other one is King Kong of 76, because it's a journey to get there, and then they have to discover, and it's this big, I don't mean King Kong of Peter Jackson, because I didn't like it. At all, I don't think. The more I think about it, the less I, I like, like it. I don't like Naomi Watts that much, and I really despise the whole vibe between them. So I think King Kong of 76 with um, Kurt Russell. 
and oh my god what's her name i don't know i'll think of it but that's those are my recommendations so um games and a scully stuff this week not been playing that much i have uh got almost to the end of infamous second son uh, really enjoyed it i think i actually played it wrong though <laughs> because the way i play open world games like gta for instance is i don't want the story to end so i tend to go and do everything else but the story first so like you know, as soon as the game opens up and it says, here's all your side missions on the map, I go and do side missions because I, I find those really fun. Like, go and do a side mission here, do one there, and don't further the story because when you do that, the game's going to be over. Like, I don't want it to be over, generally. Or if it says there are 150 Pigeons yarn balls to collect. to collect, then you want to collect them all and just Right, so all. I'll, I'll spend a day just co- going around collecting them. I find that really fun. And there's an element of that in this. You go and find these shards. So I found every single shard, right? All of them. And the shards are used to upgrade your powers. But you don't get your powers until until a certain uh, story missions have passed. So I've got all the shards, and now I'm, there's nothing for me to do but the story missions. So I start doing the story missions. And I think how you're supposed to play it is, you get a new power, and then you go and find some more shards to make the power better. But how it works for me, because I've got all the shards, is here's your new power. I just go into the tree and just spend all the shards on making that power amazingly... The best thing it can possibly be immediately. You don't work your way up. No, so these boss battles that have been occurring, and there was a boss battle I was doing yesterday that you saw me doing against the main woman in the in the the baddie. It's like super easy because like I'm super powerful. Like I just fire four missiles at her and she's dead. Like it's like, was it really supposed to be that easy? Probably not, because most people wouldn't have collected all that stuff and they would be a lot weaker at that point. So it's made the game kind of... But why would you want to be weak by the time you get to the end of the game? That would be no fun. Yeah, but this isn't the end. This was like in the middle where Mm. you had this boss battle. um, And I I just maxed everything out. So it literally... She she turned into some rock thing. I fired four missiles. She went down on the floor. I pressed triangle and she was gone like... And I'm thinking at this point most people haven't gone around collecting everything. They're They're just fighting through the story. It would be way harder and they'd probably have to be pegging away at her for ages. For me, it was just like nothing. It was like, oh, is that it? Really? And then there's also the problem of because I've collected everything and done every single side thing you can possibly do, there's literally nothing left to do. Everywhere, every zone of the map, I've cleared all the... they call the DUP. They're the anti... Um, they're gone. So there's nothing. There's nothing. It's like, it's like Ghost World. Isn't that the point of getting to the end of the game, though? Well, I think you're supposed to go through the story and then come back and and do all the peripheral stuff. I did all the peripheral stuff first, so now the story part feels dead-like, like like there's nothing left. So everywhere I go in the city, there's nothing attacking me, because there's nothing left. I'd love that. Yeah, it just feels wrong, though, because in the story, the DUP is supposed to be this huge thing that is... But they're not there. I get you. They're never there, like, they're just... You killed them already. Yeah, true. So she's talking about how... You know, you, there's no way you're going to be able to live in this city. We've got our people everywhere. And I'm like, no, yeah, they're all gone. I got rid of them all. So it just feels wrong and broken. And it's an open world game, so there isn't supposed to be a wrong way. If they give you all the missions to do and you do them, then fair enough. It could have been easily fixed, this problem, by only giving you some side missions until you get... And then when you get further on in the story then unlock some more instead of giving you them all at the beginning because somebody like me I just go and do them all like like shipwreck it's my I, I see a map and I see loads of little dots and not I have shipwreck. to go and... what's his name the other one <laughs> did the same thing wombat 
Yeah. Yeah, actually, he did, the same, he did it the same as me. But that's just the way I do it. I did it with GTA Five. Like, as soon as the side stuff shows up, like, races and... You save the end for, like, when you're done. Yeah. And that's what I've done here. Because I got... would think, once you finish the whole story and everything, then it would feel empty. Why keep going? You yeah, know the... what I mean? You want that to be the finale of it all. Right, so the way they want it to work is you do the story and then it drops you back into the map and then you go and clean everything Right, but up. you've done everything. I mean, you've done the whole story. You've done the story, but you haven't cleaned all the areas up. Right, but you get no goal then. Well, your goal is to 100% get the trophy or whatever, you know. Right, but I mean, there's no story left. So there's no, like, nothing going on. No, nothing going on at all. And it's just, there's no carrot on the stick then. No, so I've got like one mission left, it seems, because they, they just said to me, go to the top of the tower to finally finish off the baddie. And I haven't gone to the top of the tower yet, but they told me you can do that now, and that seems to me like that must be the last mission. And But there's nothing else to do. I mean, there are people in the city. You can. There are some random things that occur in the city occasionally, but it's so rare. Like, I could just go anywhere I want. There's nothing to collect. I feel like I messed up somehow but there's a light at the other side of the tunnel once I've finished you can Has the tunnel collapsed? you can go back and do it like there's there's choices throughout the game good or bad I chose all good you could go back and do it again and choose all bad just to see you get different powers if you're bad like the good powers you are, do it again or you do it different then no because you already know where everything is yeah it's, all, it's, it's the same thing but I might not collect everything the second time because I don't think you need to collect everything unless you just want the trophy which I've already got now but um, the bad way when you get the bad powers they're focused more on killing people like they're, they're like evil powers right they, so they, you could kill all the citizens right and the good powers are not they're um, based on like uh, subduing people instead of killing them like you have like handcuffs that kind of electrically tie people up and stuff so they if there's a load of bad guys and they're shooting at you you don't kill them you just subdue them and they're all on the floor ready to be took away so how do they go away by the end of- oh they get taken away yeah they okay. get taken away so like in the bad way you would it goes against me though like the bad way because the bad way is like just kill everything and, like <laughs> murder everybody and then again you play other <laughs> games where you just kill everything anyway true but it's always a bad guy you're the good guy generally right like if I play Call of Duty you're the American soldiers against some bad soldiers right it's this way you're, no you're the bad guy everybody else is oh yeah so that's Infamous Second Son I will go through it again because I want 100% it second game I've been playing this week and the second and last game is Goat Simulator now, I would never buy a game called Goat Simulator, but a friend of mine, who I'm on his uh, Steam friends and family list, bought this game Goat Simulator, so thanks to him. And uh, I played it this week. And that it's it's a sim... It's not a goat simulator. It's a simulation. It's like a sandbox level. Of it's, being a goat. You're a goat. So it is a goat simulator. Yeah, but it's not like a farming game or anything like that, which a lot of people were like. I, I was reading and they were like, oh, I thought this was a farming game or a farming simulator or, you know. It's not that. It's a silly... A good farm simulator would be awesome. There is one. I mean, really good. It is a really good Brand one. Brand new. Yeah, came out this year, 2004. Why don't I have it? I didn't think you liked it. What? I've actually... A friend of mine has it. I might learn from it. It's on my Steam list. Yeah. Farming simulator. But anyway, this this is Goat Simulator. It's not a farming simulator at all. You're a goat. You're in a world. It, well, it's just a small level. There's stuff in the level. And you can lick things. <laughs> you can headbutt things. You can jump. And you can run. And 
it's basically a joke. Like the games are like a, 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 a the whole thing's a joke. The the achievements and everything are like funny. Like you blow up a petrol station. It says you got the Michael Bay achievement. Did this come out on April first? It actually did come out on April. 1st. Well, there you go. Um, but it is a game. It's a functioning. And game. And the people to whom all those ten dollar purchases went to are rubbing their bellies and laughing their heads off. Well, it is a functional game. I give it that. It's it's. There's not a lot there. Like, after a, an hour or so, I think you're pretty much done with it. But there is some, like, mod support, so I'm sure people will make crazy, more crazy stuff for it. And there's lots of secrets to find in the level. Like, there's a jetpack, so you can have a jetpack. There's, like, a ping-pong ball launcher that you can put on his back so he can fire ping-pong balls. So, And it's all basically physics stuff. And nearly everything you do in it gives you some form of achievement that pops up. So it's like... Oh, you you um, jumped in the air. Your goat did a jump. Is an achievement, and it's like achievement, 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 achievement. I mean, it's it's like taking the Mickey out of achievements, and it's the whole. So it's very satirical. It's so every person who's now like you talking about it on another podcast, and other people are listening, and some of those people might get it, and then some of those people will play, it and then talk about it again. They're just like, oh my god, people are playing our game. The funny thing is, it blew up like huge like I'd never heard anything about it and then I saw a trailer for it and they did the trailer in the style of Dead Island there was a game called Dead Island and the trailer was really awesome for it it was all in reverse and they kind of parodied that trailer but with Goat Simulator and uh, they showed that a couple of weeks ago and I thought showed that where? to whom? everywhere it was like on YouTube and everything like it was all the gaming sites were going look at this this is a cool game and I thought hmm, April's coming up, it's probably a joke. It seems like a joke. And then, nearer the time, like, gameplay footage started occurring. Like, people saying, like, oh, I'm playing it now. And I was like, oh, it is a real thing. And then it came out, and now it's the number one selling game this week on Steam. And it's $10. So it really sold well. To be the number one selling game, it has to sell millions of copies. So, it's a pretty cool joke. Mm-hmm. somebody's going, ha-ha, what did, that was cool. We're going to give everybody's money back? No. No, and, you know, I don't think it's a $10 game. I think it's a $2 game, if that. It's pretty ropey. The performance is bad in, in spots. It is um, it is funny on occasion. If you like watching goats like go down a water slide and you take a goat in somebody's house and just kick everything and headbutt it all you know it's it's the physics works like if you hit a lamp the lamp goes flying you know it's all but as far as that it's it's literally like an hour's worth of fun is that worth ten dollars to you i don't know you've bought dvds for more and had two hours worth of fun yeah but there you go that's go simulator um in another couple of weeks nobody will care or be talking about it until go simulator 2 comes out yeah probably (laughs) or it'll be cow simulator so, yeah, or some crazy <laughs> elephant simulator. You know, some big, m- massive creature. So, oh, just all kind of, yeah. How about, like, Goat Simulator gets support so you can change it? How about different... Whale Simulator? Yep. Could be anything, couldn't it? Any, any animal. Or... Dragon Simulator. <laughs> so, uh, Sintar, what's for dinner? Salad. That's all I've got on there for now. We have lots of salad stuff and vegetables. You probably have a burger because we got buns and burgers. We got lots of vegetables, so I decided. I'm eating more vegetables and fruit. <gasps> I bought strawberries that are amazing, so I have some strawberries. There'll be some kale involved, because I know you love the kale. I dislike kale. Oh, I love it. I was eating out of the bowl. I like here. it, um, that roasted type. That's all. Right. Crisps. When I bake it a little yeah. bit. Well, I won't be baking it. I don't like but... it raw at all. 
Mm. Too bad. I'll have to eat it all myself. True. So that's it. I, I don't know what else. Oh, leftover pasta. Because I made some really good pasta last night. And your advice for this week? Say what you mean. Say what you mean. And mean what you say. You have issues with this. I don't know where it comes from. You don't know if it's your personality. You're raised the way you're raised. I was raised different. You say whatever's on the fucking mind. And you get it out of your system. And you say it straight. You don't say, oh, maybe, do you think, or I don't know why this, whatever, when your actual point is over here, like around and around in this maze. And you're not the only one. Other people do it. Loads of people do it. Like, I disagree. Oh, no, of course you would disagree. Um, But that's good that you said that straight out and not talk around it. (laughs) Exactly. Say what you mean. Now, you, there are circumstances where you're facing your boss or someone else who's acting like a dick and you can't just say, oh my God, why are you acting like a dickhead? I understand this. I'm not like delusional about say what you mean. However, when you're just talking to normal people in your life, there's a way to gauge that you either, I don't know, I'm just this more straightforward, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there are people that I don't straight out say things to and maybe that's my thing. If I can't say it straight to you and really cut through to what needs to be done or said to you and I know you're not going to respond to whatever I say then I'm just not going to say it and I'll resolve it in my own mind if it's that kind of thing you know but the talking around shit and people say something at you and then it's like oh no 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 I didn't mean it I didn't mean it I didn't mean it well then don't say it like I don't understand it's like a I don't know I don't get it so that's my thing say what you mean and after that in brackets is in context, so you have to know. You don't just say to the girl in the checkout counter how ugly you think she is just because you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to say what I mean. I don't mean be cruel and hateful and horrible. I mean say, when you're going to say something to someone in a conversation or someone asks you a question, just answer them straight. So, I'm going to say what I mean and tell you about our website, sayschoolie.com, <laughs> sidtar.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace the iTunes Music Store, uh, Stitcher.com, or go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe, do whatever you want to do. I'm stretching. You can email feedback at aschoolie at aschoolie.com, you can not email SidTalk, and finally... You can email me, but just say what you mean. (laughs) True. Stay classy, Mr. Peter Jackson, Um, and guess we'll be watching another Hobbit this time next year. Oh, a whole year. Yeah, it comes out at Christmas, comes out on Blu-ray, this time next year. Will we not go see it? Probably not. We didn't go and see this one, or the one before. No, but that doesn't mean we can't. The only film I want to really see on the cinema next year is Star Wars. Right? Kill Bill 3. (laughs) No, Star Wars. (laughs) And I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you because you don't say what you mean. 